Hey guys, real quick before we get started, we are doing a free giveaway for listeners between now and May 31st. Cash prizes, free swag, Yacht Meetup tickets, San Diego Padre tickets, and more. All you got to do to qualify is go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star review. Send a screenshot to giveaway at summerscapital.com and we'll be selecting lucky winners May 31st. As always, I appreciate the support. Now let's jump into the show. He said something that I'll never forget. He goes, if you're really good at something, why not stick to it and get better at it until you just mastered it? And I was like, well, I'm at this meetup to learn how to do fix and flips, but he's right. I'm really good at short-term rentals. I'm great at building relationships. I'm great at networking. Why not build this business all over again? Welcome to the Rich Summers Report, where we talk real estate, business, and wealth building, all while keeping it real. No fluff, no BS. I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Reports. Today, we got a little sunshine here in San Diego, and I got a very special guest. He has 70-plus short-term rental listings. He's got his own boutique hotel. I was recently a guest on his podcast, The Big Break Show. I got my man and my friend, Rafa Loza. Rafa, welcome to the show, brother. Rich, thank you for having me, brother. Excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I think I first connected with you a while back, uh, Lauren, on my team. Uh, sent me uh, one of your Instagram reels and she was like, hey, my friend Rafa just closed on this boutique hotel. You should check him out. And that's when I first like heard of you. And uh, we we connected in Nashville yep. for the uh, STR Wealth Conference. Yep. And then I saw you most recently out in uh, San Diego. Um, your good friend and, and podcast co-host Jesse Vasquez uh, was hosting a midterm rental summit, and uh, I showed up for one of the events or one of the nights. Yep. And uh, you were there, man. But it's uh, it's good to see you. What the hell you been up to? Not much, man. Uh, just finished that boutique hotel is finally live. It went live May 25th. So now I'm just looking for the next project to get started on. Looking for something to keep me excited and uh, keep me going. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this boutique hotel that you guys bought. You yeah. mentioned it just went live. Yeah. Um, when did you buy it and, and what's kind of been the business plan? How's it been going? Yeah. So we picked it up December 12th, 20, December 22nd last year. Right before Christmas. Yeah, right before. Literally like two days before. In Michigan, right? Which mm-hmm. market? Uh, Petoskey, Michigan. So yeah. right on uh, Lake Michigan, uh, right across the street from it. Picked it up with two business partners of mine. Uh, so we split up the work three ways. I do operations. Um, one of them did all the rehab and then one did all of the documents and paperwork and raise the capital and stuff like that. So we kind of have our own routes here. Uh, but we all work together and do whatever's necessary together. It's not like, hey, I only do this, you do that. But um, yeah, we picked, the, he actually, funny story, he went, my, my business partner went and stayed there for a wedding because the, one of the hotels up the street was fully fully booked mm-hmm. so he stayed there saw the, the, the guy there some older dude walking around he's like hey you own this place he's like yeah he's like you want to sell it the guy's like oh we just fell out of uh, escrow with someone else mm. so maybe he's like well we'll buy it he said yes uh they ended up working on a deal and it worked out great how did you guys get the lending for that one uh just a regular it's a 30-year loan on it okay so well not 30 year but uh, bank, regular bank financing bank financing so we did half bank financing and then we raised the capital for half of it so we did 50 capital raise plus capex and uh and then half of it was for from the bank. Gotcha. We got lucky, actually. Sorry. Yeah. What's uh? You said you got lucky. Yeah. How come? Well, we went through four banks to uh, get it closed. Wow. So the first bank fell off because it, it was a uh, local bank. They fell off because SBA didn't want to do it. SBA backed off for some weird reason. I don't remember why. You initially tried to go SBA. Yeah. Initially, we tried route. to go SBA. Correct. Dude, I tried to do that with with our most recent deal that we just closed uh, initially, and the SBA. After like going down that rabbit hole and learning more about it, 
I don't know that I want to ever do an SBA moving forward. You know, it's funny you say that because I knew that they would lend for hospitality. I actually just found out that they'll rent for short-term rentals as long as you word it for hospitality, not short-term rentals. Like I have a buddy who just got a $45,000 SBA hospitality loan and he put it into a single family here in San Diego, actually. And uh, redid, oh no, wait, this was in some different part. And uh, and so he used that funds to redo the entire patio and remodel the whole place. And SBA gave it to him, no problem, no hesitation, which is kind of crazy. Because I know another buddy of mine who um, he just tried to apply for one and they turned him down hmm. because it was a short-term rental. Interesting. So I don't know how it works, but never bought, I, they turned us down on the hotel, which sucked. But I don't know exactly what their deal is. Yeah, for, for our experience, it was like, it was just a lot of loopholes that needed to happen. Yeah. Um, a lot of different things. Like they want bank statements from all the investors. And it's like, I want to go to our investors and ask for that kind of stuff, yeah. you know? And so, and then timeline wise, they they tend to drag their feet. Yes, they take forever. And so we ended up pivoting. Like once I realized I was like, hey, like this is starting to take forever. I was like, we just got to close this deal. So I, I decided to pivot. Um, we got it wrapped up and closed with a, with a private lender. But looking back, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do another one of those. Yeah. It kind of worked out that they said no, because when they said no, we went to a different bank. They were ready to close. And literally at the closing table, when they got together, the creditors got together to talk. They said, hey, we're not going to do it. Um, didn't give us a reason why. They just said, it's not going to fall. It's not going to happen. Fell through. We had to get an extension. And then we ended up raising capital instead of doing the loan. And because we raised capital, the new bank happened to be a local, like the original lending bank who uh, came in and said, hey, we'll, we'll lend on it. And um, Did they have the seller's note on the property, that same bank? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a good tip for listeners too. Like if you guys are ever like looking at boutique hotels anywhere or any commercial real estate, look at, you know, the bank that financed the seller's note, but also look at some of the surrounding comparable properties in that market. If there's a local bank or credit union that financed, you know, the apartment complex down the road or the boutique hotel down the road, there's a good chance that they will fund your deal because they're already used to the market. You know, I'm not, it's funny that you bring this up because I'm not very good at doing all of that lending side of things. I'm really good at operations and day-to-day stuff. Mm -hmm. It's what, it's what drives me and keeps me happy. Right. So the fact that I happen to have really good business partners, they went through hell dealing with all this. Like I only know because we talk about it, right. They kind of update me. Um, but they told me, they, they said something similar to it. Um, with the guy that was helping us get the loan originally went to the original bank and they had said no. Right. So they turned it away. But because they happened to have like that original note from like 1960 something, mm. I guess it ended up working out. But then long story short, we ended up that that bank ended up falling off. We ended up going with the fourth bank and um, they closed on it. We ended up doing a syndication model. So we, we raised capital for it to do all of the extra work that needed to get done. And now here we are. How did you guys um, find the investors for this deal? Um, was it mostly friends and family? Where did you guys find them? Again, my business partner. So we we literally reached out to our circle um, because we did, which was the one? It's 506C or 506B, the one where you got to do your circle only. Yeah. So 506B is where you uh, can bring in non-accredited investors yeah, that's the one. Uh, up to 35, um, but you cannot solicit and market yes. your deal. 506D is accredited only, but you can market all you want. Okay, cool. Yeah. So no, it was, it was the first one. And so... Um, just our network, dude. People in our in our network, people in our families. Um, again, one of my business partners, Austin, he has a really extensive real estate network. His family's been in real estate forever. His dad's a big time developer, so he reached out to everybody. Uh, we did a PowerPoint presentation, blasted it out to the people in our circle, and it ended up raising the capital that way. Nice. Yeah. Friends and family, literally. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. So what's the business plan with this property and, and was it underperforming when you guys picked it up? Yeah, dude, it was mom and pop owned. It's funny. They had the super, super underperforming. Uh, they ran it as a mom and pop. They lived on site. They would meet the people there. Um, it was, they had a one-time full-time cleaner and it was more of like, this spot was the spot when you're driving by and you have nowhere to stay and you see the sign that says vacancy, you pull over and go, cool, hopefully they have something available. Um, that's literally what it was. Uh, it was under the actual market rents that we're getting now, probably 20, 30% under. Um, they weren't getting the type of vacancy we're getting now. Right now we're at like 96% occupied and, uh, which kind of tells me we're underpriced really, right? But it was, the place hasn't, hadn't been touched since 1965. Mm. So it's got, you know, yellow paint, actual wall paint colors, old school, like makeshift mattresses and beds. It, it was just old, really old. How many units? Uh, the original block was 15. And then it had a little cabin on the side. It has a three bedroom house with the studio. And so this is how bad it was at the cabin. They didn't even rent out. They had it blocked off in case family members would come visit and they would have the, the studio renting at a 30 day uh, at a time or in case family members would come visit. So we saw that as an opportunity when they moved out, we converted that to a, the three bedroom has to a full-time short-term rental. The studio is a full-time short-term rental. And then the cabin as our like premier suite with the overlooking the view of the water. So all of that added just a ton of revenue. Got it. And so uh, what did you guys end up doing to the interior and the exterior with the renovation package? We redid all of the bathrooms. So they all got gutted out. Initially, we were going to put um, inserts, but because they have these like weird, I guess out there you have like these floor heaters, the mm. panel heaters um, that run from the furnace in the main office. We couldn't do that because we'd have to gut the entire place out. So we ended up doing standing showers, redid the entire shower. Um, we re did all the vanities. Everything was brand new. Painted all the walls, hired a professional designer, redid all the flooring. They had carpets from like 1940. It was old, man. It was like super old school. Well, it was cute. Don't get me wrong. It had like <laughs> its old school feel, but yeah. like it was, it's like more of like my grandma's place. And so um, we gutted it all completely from the bathrooms in. No, not to the studs or anything like that, but um, new paint. Uh, designer came in, did all the wallpaper. We got all new, everything brand new inside, furniture, vanities. Uh, and then the exterior... We had to redo the courtyard area was falling apart. So we redid that, repaved it all. Uh, we're putting some, we put some jacuzzis out. We put three jacuzzis. We redid the cabin completely. That one got completely rehabbed. And then the three bedroom house, just flooring and stuff like that. Cosmetics, nothing crazy. But we, the exterior, we're going, we can't do it yet. We have to wait, but we're redoing the pillars because they're kind of starting to fall apart. Uh, redoing the steps. Those are completely they're rotted apart, so we had to do that one. We're working. That's the next step before we're 100% ready to go. Ballpark, what are you guys putting into the renovation in terms of costs? If you are a busy professional and don't have time to invest in real estate but still want to participate in the passive income and tax benefits, my team, Summers Capital, is buying a lot of boutique hotels right now. We source the deals, we renovate the properties, and we even do all the day-to-day -day management, making it truly hands-off for investors. If you want to learn more to see if we can help you, go to summerscapital.com slash invest to book a call with our team. Again, that's summerscapital.com slash invest. Now back to the show. Uh, just the renovation alone was about 130, I believe. That's not bad. Yeah. And then uh, all new furnishing as well. Yeah. Total, we ended up doing, I think about 210. Okay. Yeah. And did you guys end up uh, rebranding, like renaming the hotel as well? No. So the game plan is go live right now, work out all the kinks in terms of the actual building itself, and then the operational kinks, and then getting to know the market. So the three things that we really want to understand. 
because you can do as much research as you possibly can. But then when you go into the market, you don't really know how it's going to perform until you're there. Mm -hmm. Right. For example, uh, I was telling you earlier, the pricing strategy, we had a really good set pricing strategy. And then out of nowhere, we got about 40 reservations at once. And so it filled up a bunch of weekends. Instantly, that tells me, hey, you're underpriced. Right. So now we know that at certain, we, we save that data going forward. Now we know that, hey, at this time next year, we're not going to be at this rate. We're going to be at this rate. Mm -hmm. And so now we know the market a little bit better. And then we get to actually have people come in and we know the type of customers we're going to be receiving. So for example, right now we're getting older, the older crowd that comes into that little town. So we get complaints that you're like, what are you complaining about? But then we understand, hey, our customer type here are the elder people who want to come and see this beautiful sunset. We have the, one of the best sunsets, by the way. Mm. And so now we know the type of complaints we're getting so we can work to fix those issues so that they don't complain going forward. And so anyway, going back to your question, the, the, the strategy is get to know all of that, work out all the kinks, save some revenue, um, save some money. And then in one year from now, from May 25th to next year, so around early May next year, we're going to rebrand it. We're going to take that old sign down with our brand new name. It's going to have something, something along the lines of like, the Petoskey Sunset Bay or something like that. Because we want to incorporate the sunset view. Because, man, I'm telling you, like, the sunsets are phenomenal. Like, amazing. Better than we get here in Southern California. It's funny you say that. So, okay, so when we were here for uh, the Midterm Rental Summit, we mm -hmm. came down and my, my business partner was down with us. You guys I came to in May, though, right? May, gray, June, Yeah, we, so we came down here and, it, like, we barely got any sun. Yeah. But we did get to, we walked down towards, um, I don't know, a little bit. Mission Beach, yeah. Pacific yeah, Beach. Yeah, it was like Mission Beach, yeah. Okay. We went down there. And um, the sunset was beautiful. Like, it was still very nice. But, like, when I went out there, literally, what, two weeks after this, I was like, I didn't know it was this nice. <laughs> like, it was really, really nice. I was like, man, okay, I was sold on uh, on Michigan for sure. That's cool, man. Um, you mentioned you guys put three jacuzzis in. Uh, we did a one jacuzzi at our 10-unit our boutique hotel up north. Um, and then we got jacuzzis at some of the short-term rentals that we operate. From a maintenance standpoint, sometimes it can be a, a little bit of a workload. What do you guys see on your end? Do you guys have a lot of jacuzzis at your properties? No. So to, to clarify, we put two for the hotel and okay. then one for a private one for that three-bedroom short-term rental. Yeah. So yeah, so we're doing two separate ones. We haven't seen anything yet because we literally installed them a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on how that goes. But my other properties, um, none of them have any, any jacuzzis. But I know from our network of people about all the complaints that they get. Like I know you have to clean them once a week. Mm -hmm. uh, for the hotel, we got to do, we're going to be doing every other week because you have by law, you have to do it once a week, once a month for hospitality. But we're going to be cleaning them every every two months, which just adds an extra cost of mm -hmm. uh, operations. Yeah, I gotcha. So uh, I want to go back a little bit. How did you first get into real estate investing? Yeah, so back in 2017, so I used to be in collections. I had a collection agency for like 10 years. Left that and I wanted to find the next thing. And the next thing always in the back of my head was do some sort of wealth building strategy. And real estate was always on the back of my head. And so when I left the collection agency, I had about 20 grand to my name. And so I'm like, oh, cool. I started barely learning about real estate, the whole rich dad, poor dad thing, listening to the podcasts. And so I started doing research in SoCal. And at that time, the median price was like 450, 500 for a single family home. I was like, well, that's not going to work. I'm not going to get a house with my 20 grand. And if I do, I'm going to be either under or I'm going to be breaking even uh, if I put a tenant in it. So that was like, that sucks. So I was like, okay, let me find out another way to get into it. And then I found out about wholesaling, how, you know, everybody thinks wholesaling, you go in with no money and you do, obviously it, it, it works great. So I started doing a little bit of research on that. And then I like, dude, 10 years of being on the phones gets really dark and really heavy. Like now I look at a cell phone and I'm like, I don't even want to pick it up. Right. Mm. And so wholesaling is a lot of calling and trying to find leads. 
And so I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to do that. And then I came across some guys, actually one guy, um, who had this Ferrari and he's driving around and I was like, oh, hey, what do you do? He's like, oh, I run short-term rentals. I have a building with a bunch of short-term rentals in it. Or he said Airbnb. At the same time, it's crazy. Like I, I say this all the time, but like how the universe just kind of throws what's what you need at that time. Because I, I literally, I remember it so clearly like a week before I, I ran into, I saw a page and a, I heard a podcast about short-term rentals. I'm like, I wonder what that is. I'll, I saved it. I'll listen to it later. Run into these guys. They're doing Airbnb. And I was like, oh, I've stayed in Airbnbs before. And then I, I did the research on the short-term rentals and I was like, wait, so these guys are renting this, these six apartments in LA and that's how he's like driving this Ferrari around, living this lifestyle. I'm like, I didn't know that you could rent apartments out. And so by this time already, I only had about five grand left to my name, right? I was working at a casino in the meantime to generate some, some cash and kind of stay alive. And I was like, wait, so all I need to do is rent out an apartment. I need to put furniture in it. Then I can put it on Airbnb and now it's considered a short-term rental. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give this thing a shot. So I, I started calling a bunch of people and I, after like six months of denials and getting no's, cause you know, it's not easy to get people to let you use their, their property for an Airbnb. Right. Not back then at least. And finally got a yes. It was a two bedroom apartment in a 120 unit building that was going through a full gut rehab. You had about 70 vacant units, 60 something. And so she's like, Hey, can you pay the rent? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, what do you need? I was like, well, my LLC is going to rent it. I'm going to furnish it. And then I'm just going to rent it out to other people short term. I'm going to use Airbnb as a marketing platform. And they're like, yeah, we're cool with that. And that was literally it. Um, I called my brother. I was like, hey, dude, I got, I got this great business idea. Uh, let me borrow a credit card. I need to get this place furnished up. Give me a credit card, put nine grand worth of furnishings in the credit card. I used the five grand that I had left over into the rent and deposit. And literally a month later, I made $6,000 in profit from that two bedroom apartment. And I was like, wow, this is real. I was like, okay. And then the month after that was Christmas and I made another $6,000 in profit. And I was like, I'm going all in on this thing. And uh, then I started building a good relationship with the apartment complex. And so I looked at it this way. I said, hey, if I don't need a lot of money to get started into an avenue of real estate, because you're not technically owning the real estate, but you're using it to an, as leverage to an advantage to generate cash flow. So I was like, if I can do this and build it big enough to generate enough money every month to go out and buy a property, that's what the goal is going to be. And I had a five-year plan. And so... I just scaled the, the crap out of it. And um, now we have arbitrage totals about, I think I have like, I actually have more than than 70 something short-term rentals, but it's because I've given some to friends and family that I've helped get started in it with the relationships that I've made from investors who own multifamily and houses. So long-winded, but that's how I got started into it. That's pretty cool. So you mentioned you're giving some of them away. Yeah. So like you're operating these these listings, you're furnishing them and then, and then you're saying, hey, do you want to take this one over? No, okay, so... No, I find the location and then I'll tell them, hey, you can come in and I'll help you how to do this and you get started and you do it by yourself mm. instead of me taking it myself and then operating it. I just want them to get started on it. Just to help them yeah, out. Just to help them out. That's pretty cool that you do that. Yeah. I think cool. at a certain point with, you know, life and building wealth, it's like, you know, you get joy doing it on your own. But then at a certain point, it's like I get a lot of joy of like seeing other people win yeah. and, and seeing other people do their first deal because for a lot of folks, you know, doing that first deal, it's like the light bulb turns on and it, it's, it's life changing for not just them, but, but also for their family. Mm -hmm. 100%. My biggest thing is if I can't, if I can't bring up everybody around me to get to a specific point to where like, we can all have that freedom to do what we want, when we want, wherever we want, right. With whoever we want, like, then what's the point? Like I can get as wealthy and as filthy rich as possible, but then I'm going to be alone with nobody around me. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I, I have the freedom to not have to go to work and I have the freedom to stay at home and do whatever I want. But like, I can only put my feet up so long and play video games for so long until it's like, now I'm just miserable again. 
right? Mm-hmm. So if you help anybody, the people around you, and you get these people to build the wealth and learn the skills and build the business, who knows where that takes you? Maybe you do a future deal together. Maybe they bring people to you. You both start to get better. You both start to do bigger things. And you just enjoy a better life with all those people in your circle. There's a lot of people uh, sitting around playing video games right now post-COVID. I saw Dana White put out some some piece on this, but he basically said, and I, and I agree to this I, to a certain extent, that like there's a lot of you know guys out there that are sitting around playing video games, living at home with their parents. They're not hungry. They're not getting after their dreams. And so he said, he said like if if you are you know going after your dreams, if you're pushing you're pushing the the gas pedal right now and really pursuing it. You can run a lot of these guys over. There's not a ton of competition out there yeah. for the ones that are really getting after it right now. And I always say, man, right now with social media and access to learn things very, very quickly, YouTube channels, we got social media, we got podcasts to listen to, very informative stuff. You can get a lot of free content out there and you can learn a lot. If you just commit yourself for 40 hours, like literally, if you just spend one week committing to learning like one new thing, you can get a lot done. 100%. When, when, I, when I started and I wanted to learn about short-term rentals, I looked for people that I can learn from and there was nothing. Like there was no like gurus, like now Airbnb and short-term rentals, like they're on every single platform you can find. Mm-hmm. And it, anything that you're going to need to learn, it's out there. YouTube has a ton of stuff now. You can find coaches on, on every other social media platform for them. And for the new person who's getting started, who, who really takes advantage of all the free content out there, you can get into anything. Literally any aspect of real estate is already all for free on social media somewhere. All of it. Yeah. It's um, it, it really is a beautiful time that we live in to learn anything new right now. Yeah. I mean, shoot, you were yeah, doing collections before this. I was uh, an air traffic controller for the for the FAA before this. And, you know, I just decided to pick up some books and start reading. I started listening to podcasts. I started going to some networking events and I started meeting people that were buying real estate. And next thing you know, it's like, boom, like things can turn around really quickly um, which is, which should be inspiring for a lot of folks out there. You know, you just got to take that initial step yeah. and start educating yourself. hundred percent. When you put your head down and you start going, it literally leads from one thing to the other, to the other. Next thing you know, you look up and you've built this entire thing of like, wow, I can't believe that happened. And all it is, is put your head down, do the work, study, do the work, study, implement, take, take actions. That's it. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got your wife, uh, Lorena, sitting over here. She's watching watching the uh, the recording as we speak. Um, and Lorena is in your operations. Um, tell me a little bit about your team because you got, you know, 70 plus short-term rental listings. And I know, you know, that's a lot. That's potentially on a Sunday, you got 70 guests checking out and 70 guests checking in. Um, and so I know um, from experience, that's not an easy operation to run. Uh, tell me a little bit about your team and, and how you operate. Yep. So uh, Lorena, she does my boots on the ground here in, in California in Orange County. Um, any market that I go into, I got to build boots on the ground and cleaning and then a maintenance person. Like that's the biggest thing. Usually my boots on the ground ends up doubling as either a cleaner or uh, my maintenance person. But virtually my entire guest communications and my guest experience team is all virtual. Um, we got virtual assistants from the Philippines that cover the clock round. Um, we used to have every eight hours. So we'd cover all 24 hours. Now we have from 6 a.m. all the way till 1 a.m. And then we just have a little dead spot at night because we found that there's no need to have somebody sitting there doing nothing because nobody bothers you at night. Um, Unless it's a major emergency. And at that point in the Philippines, they can't do anything about it anyway. And I'm probably sleeping and my boots on the ground is probably sleeping also. So it's not going to get solved. But we've implemented systems for that not to happen. But anyway, 
So I have uh, six virtual assistants that handle all of my guest communications, um, some of my social media, uh, a video editor, and then all my outreach. And then we have... When you say outreach, what do you mean? Uh, like outreach to certain investors, uh, certain uh, clients, when we look for certain properties, email marketing, all of that stuff. Got it. And then outreach on social media as well. So like, hey, if if, uh, if we, for example, my like my Night and Rain page, they'll reach out to anybody who in- inquires or people that are asking, hey, what about this place? They'll be the ones that call. Hey, we have this, these rooms available, things like that. Mm. We don't actually go and do outreach for like deals just because I haven't built that part of the business yet. Maybe I will at some point, but we were so f- heavily focused on on arbitrage that I didn't want to keep growing arbitrage. Arbitrage mm-hmm. was a means to an end. And now we're to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm very happy where it's at. Let's let that sit. Let's make it good. Now let's continue to the next step. And then my the next person on the team is our cleaners. So we have, I think, a total of like eight or nine cleaners. Um, on some weekends, we have way more. Um, we've had up to 18 at one point, but we found that they they can handle certain cleanings at certain times. And then we have a well, operations... I think that's it. It's okay. very simple, straightforward. Pretty much everything gets handled. Anything virtual that can get done online gets done by my virtual assistants. Uh, my job now is basically to make sure everybody's doing their job correctly, oversee it, and grow the business um, rather than doing the day to day. Like I don't like if you were to ask me how many checkouts we have right now, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, hey, can you check what's what's available on our calendar? Mm-hmm. Like I get people all the time. They're like, hey, Rafa, do you have availability? And I'm like, I I just literally t- send a text message. Can you respond to this? Because I have no idea. Yeah. So it's gone to that point. And then one of my VAs became a, one of my like manager operations VAs. So she handles all of my other VAs now too. And she outsources VAs for other people who need them sometimes as well. Who does the uh, pricing strategy for you? Hey guys, real quick. The only way this podcast grows is if you guys share it and review the show. So if you do find value, if you could take two seconds and drop a five star on Spotify or Apple podcasts, it would mean the world to me. But more importantly, it will help us reach new audiences, and help more people build wealth through real estate investing. So I literally just outsourced that to one of my VAs and to her, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. So I was doing it. Mm. That was the one thing that I was doing with that I just... It's important. Yes. I didn't want to relinquish control until I was certain that I knew how to set the parameters. Because in order to, to, to give away that control to someone and for them to be able to do it the way that you want it to get done, they have to understand a certain market. They have to understand your clientele. They have to understand how your property is, the type of property you have. There's a lot of little factors that someone on the other side of the world doesn't know because they're not here. So if I were to delegate that work to someone else, I'd have to put really like strict parameters. For example, okay, if it's empty today, you get you have permission to, to execute a 20% discount from two days from today. Like that's something that can get outsourced that I don't have to deal with. But I can't tell them, hey, this is the best weekend. Go up three, four bucks because we don't know unless we're in that market Mm -hmm. playing and messing with it ourselves. So, yeah, I did that for the longest time till now. What about if uh, there's a new listing that needs to be set up um, and then, you know, make sure the photos and like the owner's house manual, all that is is, is dialed in. Uh, Who who would set up that list? Virtual assistants. The VAs would do it? Yeah. So I literally. Remotely. Remotely they can do it? Yes, they do it remotely. So it all, it, it works two ways. So. My job and her job is, for example, if we were to pick up a property in San Diego, we come to San Diego, we walk the property, we already know it's going to go live. We call our, our, our oh, part of my team is also a designer. I have a designer. Um, so we'll call a designer. We'll send them videos. They'll come look at it. They do their thing. But then at, while I'm there, I'm recording videos of everything that I know a guest is going to ask me about through guest communications when they have an issue. And I send those videos into a Google Drive. Then I give that link to my virtual assistants. So that's the first step. Now they have access to like, hey, here's the electrical panel. Hey, here's where the thermostat goes. This is how it works. This is the door. 
This is where the lockbox is for the backup. Like all that's recorded and saved on a video. Then I literally send a message to go, hey, this is going to be a four bath, two bath house. Please get the listing started. They send everything. And now they have the video. They know what our amenities are because I've walked everything. They've seen exactly how everything is. And then they ask me simple questions like, okay, hey, um, do we have, I don't know, like how many people are going to sleep in it? But I send, we send all that info. Once that gets all sent out to them, they build it out. Then we get the photographer in there. Once the photos are done, I just send them the link to the photos. They download the photos out there. They go live. And then I, actually, I have a training video on how I want my photos to be placed. Mm. Once that's done, before they hit live, either her or me will give it a last review. I go, okay, I like it. Or we just make the last tweaks. Or I'll tell them, hey, this looks terrible. Like, you know what you're doing? Do it again. Or I'll give an example. Hey, this is going to be next door to that one. So there's similar properties. Just copy that one. Give it a different title. Let me know when it's ready. And that's it. And yeah. then we, we go live. I love that. Yeah. So I know you're in some masterminds and you're a big fan of getting around groups and getting around the folks that are, you know, doing uh, what you want to do and maybe yeah. getting around folks that are above you in terms of, you know, whatever their perspective thing is. Uh, tell me a little bit about the groups that, that you're involved with. Yeah. So um, I'm in a commercial real estate mastermind. Um, that's the one of the ones that I've been in that I enjoy probably the most. My biggest thing is I, I will always want to be like, cliche as it sounds, everybody knows it, but the dumbest person in the room. Mm -hmm. I want to go in and listen to a conversation that I don't understand. If I don't understand it, I'm in the right place. If I go into a room and I'm the one getting hounded with questions and I'm the one answering everything, I'm not in the right place. Is this, that's the, the best way to look at it. So um, the masterminds I'm in, they're paid masterminds because when you, when you go into paid masterminds, other people are paying to be in that mastermind. Therefore, you get some sort of value from those masterminds because people know that there's a cost to be there Therefore, they either got to add value to other people to get value back or they're, it's just a different mindset at this point. They know that, hey, if I want to be around other successful people, it's not going to be free. I have to pay to be there. That's kind of the thinking behind it. And so um, I initially joined a commercial mastermind. I used to be in a short-term rental mastermind. I left it because I don't want to say I became an ex expert at it, but I just know all aspects of short-term rentals now well enough to where like now I'm the one being hounded with the questions. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, the next step is I want to actually learn how to buy the properties and be the guy who does the back, the CEO of the company who builds and grows. And in order to do so, I got to be the one who finds the deals, puts the deals together until I can delegate some of that work out, right? So what do I do? I got to join a bigger group. Well, those groups aren't free. You're not going to learn that at a meetup, right? You might, meetups are great for networking and relationships. Masterminds are great for networking and meeting people and doing deals together and learning from other people together. Um, you might get lucky and find someone who's willing to coach you and train you at a meetup, maybe, right? If they like you, you guys vibe, you guys get together, you guys hit it off. That person's really well experienced. They take you under their wing. Cool. But odds are you're not, it's very difficult to find. So the masterminds, that's where that comes in. You meet up once a month um, in person. You also meet up once a week on Zoom if you want. Uh, not a lot of people go to those, but when you meet up, it's when you make the real connections. Like we were talking about it earlier, the reason why you have a live podcast to make good connections person to person. Mm -hmm. Well, these mastermind meetups, when you meet up, you're meeting with two, 300 other successful, very wealthy, very well-off individuals that are doing what you want to do. So it just puts you in that, in that realm. Um, aside from that, I used to be in a business mastermind. I'm not in it no longer. Um, and then I'm, I might join your mastermind. So yeah, yeah. Still, still, yeah, looking at it. Yeah, so, I'm ex I agree with everything you said. I mean, it's a support group. It shortcuts your path from point A to point B. And it's just cool to be around a community of like-minded folks that are going after the same things that you're interested in. 
And shout out to um, a couple of folks in our boutique hotel mastermind, Alex and Anthony. They partnered with each other. They met each other in the mastermind. They partnered with each other. When they joined, they both had a couple short-term rentals, um, but they just locked up their first boutique hotel. Nice, Super dude. Congratulations. Nine-unit boutique hotel. Awesome. And uh, sellers carrying some paperback. They're going to assume the loan, so they're going to be able to get into this this hotel for very, very low money down. But like, I just I love seeing others win, and, and that's the true power of, of being in this communities. Uh, well, to, to, okay, to give you guys all perspective and to the listeners as well and the viewers, the boutique hotel I got now, I became a partner on it people that I met at that commercial mastermind. Mm. And now we're really good friends. We travel together. We talk on the daily. And now we're looking for more deals together, right? I never would have met them. And I never would have had that opportunity to be in this deal had I not been in that mastermind, right? We got together. It's funny. I'll tell you the story about it. We met up at a meetup in Denver last year. People are like, what do you do? So I tell them, I do short-term rentals. They're like, oh, I mean, I would like, people go like, oh, you're probably working all the time. But then they get thrown off when I go, well, I only work on this thing like two, three hours a week because the whole business is automated. And they're like, oh, okay. And then you start hounding you with questions. So then you answer the questions and now they're like, oh man, this guy really knows what he's talking about. Cool. That sticks in the back of their mind, right? Same thing happened with my business partners. We met at this meetup. They came out to me they're like, hey, what do you do? I was like, oh, I do short-term rentals. Oh, cool. How many hours a week do you work? And I'm like, oh, like two, three. And they're like, what? We work, like we have two. We're constantly on them. Uh, we have my real estate team. We're constantly working on it. I was like, bro, I was like, you got to delegate all this stuff. Like get people in place. Mm-hmm. They really like that about me. And then we, we had a conversation for about an hour, had a couple of drinks together. That was the end of it. Like two months later, they called me like, hey, we got a boutique hotel deal. What do you think? You want to partner up? Absolutely. And how did, where did that come from? We vibed. We hit it off. They liked my expertise in a certain aspect that they weren't perfect at, right? I love their expertise because I'm not perfect on their aspect. Had we not been in that group together, that deal would never would have happened. Yeah. Ever. And now here we are looking for the next one. Dude, that's um, that's powerful, and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think if you're trying to get into anything, whether it's 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 a new thing or if you're trying to just take it to the next level, I think um, you know you can go do it on your own, right? Yeah. Um, like I personally, I pay to be in three different masterminds. We have our own. Um, I have a business coach, and it's like, yeah, you can go do things on your own. You can make all the mistakes and 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 do it that way, but that's going to be the longest path to figure it out. And I know life is short. Yeah. Like for me, I got. 478 months left till average life expectancy age. So when I wake up every day and I think, whoa, I got 478 months left, it's like, well, why do I want to go slow? Yeah. You know, money like speed. I love that. I used to have uh, a, a, on my phone an app that gave me the hours left in my life mm. to the ex- life expectancy. I don't have any more, but I thought about doing it again. Is there like an app that does that? Yeah, there's an app that does that. And there's also, uh, you can buy like a, it's an actual clock that has a countdown. Mm. Um, I actually have it. I just haven't set it up. But um, to, to going back to the to your point about the, I'm actually quite interested in this because the next step for me is to get a business coach. Like I really want to get a business coach because my thing is the arbitrage is awesome. Owning all these short-term rentals is awesome. But again, that was a stepping stone, right? Mm-hmm. To the next level, which is the hotels and commercial real estate, uh, a couple luxury properties here and there. And so in order to do so, you always got to grow and get better. So the business coach, for sure. The reason why I joined the mastermind was because like I told you, I got comfortable and lazy right before COVID. I was doing really well. And as, as messed up as it sounds, nobody in my circle was doing anything better than me. So I was like, oh, I'm crushing it. Hell yeah. Like I've made it. Mm-hmm. And then COVID hits and I'm like, oh crap, I need to get this together. And it was like, I came to a point where I was like, either do I keep growing something I'm really good at or do I find a different aspect of real estate? And I almost went to fix and flips and housing and houses instead of doing the actual short-term rental route. And then I, I went to a meetup and I met this guy and he goes, dude, he said something that I'll never forget. He goes, if you're really good at something, 
why not stick to it and get better at it until you just mastered it? And I was like, well, I'm at this meetup to learn how to do fix and flips, but he's right. I'm really good at short-term rentals. I'm great at building relationships. I'm great at networking. Why not build his business all over again? Sure enough, dude, uh, what, I mean, it's been, what, two years, and we've, now we have this 70-something short-term rentals, right? Mm-hmm. So I got really good at it. That's why I joined a mastermind, because I was like, wait a second. I'm very comfortable. I'm being lazy. Nobody around me is doing anything better than what I'm doing right now. I need to be around people that I'm like, like, I just met a guy. I met a guy. I, I'm rambling on about this, but it's mm-hmm. like, it, it gives me chills thinking about it. I met this guy at this mastermind. We were just in Chicago two weeks ago. Something like that, two weeks ago. And super cool dude goes to me. He's like, hey, man, you know, pleasure to meet you. I'm going to be out in, in Newport. Uh, I was like, oh, cool. Didn't no idea who he was. Um, we had a good conversation for about 10 minutes. Super humble, really chill guy. And then my buddy goes to me. He's like, oh, I want to introduce you to him. This guy's like crushes in real estate. I go, I'll go, he does? Oh, cool. I'll go, I'm thinking everybody here does, right? I, I make friends with them, add them on social media. I start stalking him a little bit. Dude owns like $180 million in real estate. Mm. Bunch of triple net lease stuff. He's coming to Newport to spend six months out here. He's looking for like a beach house that he's, without a second thought, he's like, hey, I'm looking for a beach house. I need to spend a certain amount of money. I'm thinking like, holy crap. And I was like, dude, this is what I'm talking about. I never in a million years would have thought that something like this is possible. I was like, I need to be around these people that are like owning hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate. Because now my mindset has gone from like, oh, cool, you're making 10 grand a month, 20 grand a month. Nah, dude, let's get to 100 grand Mm-hmm. a month. Then let's make that a hundred grand a week, right? Let's get to a hundred million real estate. Now let's get to 200 million real estate. And nobody thinks about that unless you're around people that are doing it and being around these groups and these masterminds. That's how you get to that. Does that make sense? 100%, dude. I can totally resonate with that. It's like, you know, if, if you're, if you're stuck with that initial circle, uh, like you said, Hey, I was, I thought I was doing really well until I'm, I, I met this circle. Yeah. And then you realize, well, there's different levels to it. And then you get to the next level and you're like, oh, there's a whole nother level. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly like, I always study like a small group of, of, you know, entrepreneurial real estate investor folks that are above me. And those people that I study are constantly changing. Yeah. Cause they say you should, you should model after someone that's not 10 steps ahead of you, but just one or two steps ahead of you. Cause you can relate to them. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think when you get to that next step, it's important to, you know, re- regroup, gather yourself and figure out, okay, well, what's the, what's the next level here and how are we going to get there? Yeah. I love that. You know, well, brother, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's a pleasure chatting with you as always. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of what, what you guys are doing and I'm excited to see, uh, what this next deal is that you guys, uh, acquire here. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah. Likewise. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.